This is a main hustle media podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Karankawa people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of that nation, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, the busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom mask making gulf coast cosmos comic book co-owning asian american podcasters association's golden crane award-winning podcaster in this podcasting game this is episode 143 and i'm actually recording my intro about a week early because i'm going to be in las vegas at the time that I would be normally recording and putting together the episode. So I'm getting all my work done the day before I leave. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself for that. I'm going to be in Vegas for Colexicon, which I think I mentioned last week. Colexicon is the largest queer women's non-binary and femme geeky media and entertainment conference. And I get to go as a scholarship winner from last year. So they're paying my travel and my hotel and stuff like that for me to go. So I'm pretty excited about that. Also, when I come back, but this is going to be a day after this episode drops, so it's not going to be helpful. I'm supposed to be speaking on Monday, October 11th for National Coming Out Day through California Community Colleges, but I don't have all the details available for that yet. And also, by the time this episode airs, it will be in the past anyway, so it doesn't matter. Okay, moving on to different news. Uh, <laughs> I do just want to acknowledge that in addition to Hispanic Heritage Month, it is also Filipino Heritage Month. Hispanic Heritage Month goes from September 15th to October 15th, and Filipino Heritage Month is the month of October. Uh, my guest today actually is a Filipino-American. Um, that was an accident, but, you know, that's cool. Uh, so similarly to all of the other cultural heritage months, we acknowledge the accomplishments and contributions of Filipino Americans in the United States. Um, again, I'm not sure if there's other countries that do this, but here in the States, we do acknowledge um, cultural heritage months throughout the year. And so October is Filipino Heritage Month. Filipino Americans are the second largest Asian American group in the United States and the third largest ethnic group in California after Latinos, Latinas, Latine, and African Americans. And so we celebrate Filipino American History Month in October because that is the first recorded presence of Filipinos in the continental United States occurred on October 18th, 1587, when the Luzones Indios came ashore, a Spanish galleon, uh, came ashore in California in what is now known as Morro Bay. And so as of 2009, U.S. Congress recognized October as the Filipino American Heritage Month. And as it so happens, my guest today is a Filipino American. Uh, my guest today is Kayleen Garvey. Uh, she and I have actually known each other for through Militantly Mixed for about two years. And even though we lived in the same city for a really long time, we've never actually seen each other in person. 
Uh, we have just mostly been in communication through Instagram and we have been on a couple of group chats and video conferences and things like that together. So at this point, we kind of know each other pretty well. And I think you can catch that vibe when you hear us today. Um, Kayleen and I actually have recorded an episode of Militantly Mixed before, 18 months ago, right at the start of the pandemic, when everybody switched from Skype and all the other platforms over to Zoom. I attempted to record my very first Zoom episode with her. And by that time, Zoom didn't have their stuff together yet. And so there was actually an extra button you were supposed to click on the background that allowed you to save your file that you recorded. This makes no sense to me. Like if I recorded it, where did it go? But because I didn't have that clicked, because I didn't know about that, I never got a copy of the recording, and so we just lost the episode. Um, but she had a very busy year last year. She was finishing her master's and starting her new career and everything like that. So we haven't had a chance to get together until a few weeks ago, which is when we finally got to record. And it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed getting to sit down and talk to her again. So if anything, at least we got to chat again. Uh, because she's a lot of fun, and I think you'll be able to tell that when you hear her episode. Before I jump in over to that, though, I still promise uh, this is going to be a short intro. I'm not going crazy. Um, I'm, I'm not doing my normal crazy, I guess is what I want to say. I uh, just want to remind you all that the Be Your Mixed Ass Self fundraiser t-shirt is still available until October 26th. They are $25 in each, no matter the size. You can go to militantlymixed.com slash merch or just militantlymix.com. It's right there on the front page anyway, and you can buy it that way. The shirts come in black, white, and heather gray, like a dark charcoal. I got mine yesterday. So the time I'm recording this, it's October 6th, which is Wednesday. I got mine yesterday. I wore one of my shirts already. It's in the Instagram. And then by the time y'all hear this, I will have posted me in the other shirt, the black one, um, on Instagram too. I love it. it the, the design is great. I just, I'm so happy with how the shirts turned out this year. And as of today, October 6th, when I am recording, we have sold 17 of the 100. That is my goal. I'm really trying to hit 100 t-shirts on this fundraiser this year, mostly because um, I need approximately $1,500 to hire a consultant for a limited time to be able to try to elevate, like a consulting producer that would be able to try to elevate the show to that next step, which would allow us to start getting sponsorship and um, external to the Patreon sponsors. Because right now, the literally the only way this show exists is because I have Patreon sponsors. I personally can no longer afford to pay for the show myself because I no longer get a salary. Um, I'm, I started my business, so I can't collect money until... The shop makes money. So Patreon is paying for the show right now. That is the only way. Sometimes we are in the red. Sometimes we're in the black. But regardless, it's only Patreon. And whoever drops the occasional tip in the tip jar of pay PayPal is what's paying for the show. So with the $1,500 that I hope to raise during this fundraiser, I want to do two things. One, pay for the gap that is created by the reduction of Patreon sponsors we've recently had. So I still need another about $50 a month um, to keep the show going uh, through Patreon. And also to try to hold hire a consulting producer that will help get us to that next stage and start to find advertisers for the show so that the show can start paying for itself. After three years, it is reasonable to believe, given our size of our audience, that we can get to that level, but that's not a skill set that I have. So I need to find someone who does have that skill set to put that in place for us. So roughly $1,500 will be 
what I'm hoping for to get to survive the rest of the year. And by survive, I mean the show, not me. Um, but that's what I'm hoping to do. And then if that consulting producer works out, hopefully by January, the show will be paying for itself, regardless of the Patreon sponsorship. That's the goal. That's the goal. So as of right now, when I'm recording, October 6th, we have sold 17 of the 100 shirts. We can sell however many possible we need, but my minimum goal is I'm hoping that we sell 100 shirts. So if you want to purchase one of those, they're super dope. And hopefully by then you'll also see other people posting their shirts on Instagram as well. I have a few people who say they've got them and they promise that they're going to post their shirts. So hopefully that happens. Uh, in addition to that, if you would like to sponsor the show, you can go one of two ways. You can go to paypal.me slash mix, And I refer to that as a tip jar. It's always there. And every time someone drops money into that account, it goes directly over into the Militantly Mix bank account. Um, just actually over the summer. I'm not going to say their name because I didn't ask permission, but AK dropped about 50 bucks in there out of nowhere. And I was like, I didn't expect it, and I, they didn't even send me a message to let me know they were doing it. They just did it, and it was awesome. Um, but that also helps keep the show going. Occasionally, I get someone to drop $5 or $10 in there, and it's always helpful. It always goes right back into the show. The other way to support the show is to go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed, and that's how you sponsor the show on a monthly or an annual basis. So you can go as low as a dollar a month to as high as anything you wish, and there's different reward levels depending on what you choose, and that is how the show stays alive right now. As of right now, we have about two sponsors at the $50 level, uh, four, I think, at the $20 level. I just looked this up the other day, but I, I forgot the count. I think there's about 10 or so at the $5 level. And then everybody else is a mix of $1, $2, $3, or $10. Um, and it's because of these people, this show is active. That That's it, 100%. I can no longer afford to, to do the show myself, even a little bit. I've taken a huge cut in pay, um, a.k.a. like hardly no pay. <laughs> um, and so... Yeah, that's that's the nature of it. Is. So as long as we continue to have Patreon sponsorship, Militantly Mix will exist. Uh, but if that drops below where it is now, I'm going to have to go on another extended hiatus until I can afford to put on the show again myself. Um, desperate times, folks. Super desperate times. So the fundraiser and the Patreon sponsorship is pretty much everything we need to get through the next few months and hopefully to keep this going forever. All right. I don't want to bring everybody down right before I'm about to get off this uh, intro. Uh, but again, if you would like to sponsor the show, you can go to patreon.com slash mix. And both of those links or all of the links that I mentioned today will be in the show notes as well. And I think that's it. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our latest cousin to the Militilly Mix family, Kayleen. Well, She's actually been on the show technically before, but didn't make it. So welcome back, Kayleen. That works.
get it. Um, and this is this is um, this is kind of embarrassing for me, even though I don't super get embarrassed often. But my guest today has been a guest before. Wait, <laughs> y'all never heard or seen her because I did not know how to record back then. It was the was it the start of the pandemic when we were like recording through Zoom or something? Yeah, and I was just like yeah. trying it with a new, I would think I was doing it on my my iPad or something. And I a didn't know how to actually. later. Oh my God. Yes. And we're still yes. in this pandini. What is happening? <laughs> I know. It's so terrible. But anyways, we at least got to hang out for a, an hour or so yes. a year and a half ago. And now we're back at it trying again. You had a tremendous year last year because of oh, school and everything. So we didn't get, you know, but we're together again. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and uh, let them know for the first time who you are. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we'll okay, get into right, it. Here we go. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm Kayleen Garvey. I'm biracial. <laughs> oh, I'm so awkward. I should have practiced. <laughs> You're fine. You're not uh, awkward. My mom is from Manila in the Philippines. My dad is a white guy from Iowa in the United States. Uh, I mean, if you all want to be specific, his ancestors are from Ireland and came here sometime in the 1800s or something. You know, but like he doesn't like a. He's not like representing for the Irish yeah, out there. He's, he's not all like Irish pride, like whatever, like. You know, gotcha. I think what they kind of overlap on is like the whole Catholic thing. A lot of Filipinos, a lot of Irish are Catholic, and that's like how True. that kind of comes in. You know, but, that worked. Yeah, you didn't have yeah. to change your religion for the yeah. for the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was like their overlap. Um, but yeah, I just graduated with my master's in counseling in May. So, like Charmaine was talking about earlier, I was being trained as a counseling trainee during the pandemic. Like. Um, <laughs> Yeah, counseling people literally in my bedroom like this over a screen. Like, I'd be turning on the screen, the camera to talk to them. And they're like, you're my counselor. And I'm like, yes, nice to meet you. I'm Kayleen. Let's let's work on some stuff together. Like, yeah. They're all too young for this. I'm like, I wish. You're like, Asian, don't raisin. Yeah, yeah. Because really, we can pretend to be any age. Like, if we needed to be old for the sake of a counseling session, Session, you could totally be like, oh, it's just my good Asian skin. Yeah. <laughs> not that I'm not that I'm as oh young as I actually Yeah. And yeah, my thesis was on like counseling considerations for biracial women. So I actually got to like talk to other biracial therapists who like specifically work with biracial women. And like that that's was right. super cool. Um, and yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> That was kind of the thing I was learning last year um, is how many people through the show I've been connected to that was that was doing their counseling or therapy work in biracial or mixed race yeah. spaces. Um, and because you, you and I had talked about that, obviously, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. Um, but we also have talked about it since then, because we were trying to interconnect as many people within the community as we could, that you know, as resources and stuff. So um, I'm thrilled that that exists now i the yes. bad part about it is that i can't find a mixed race therapist for myself because i keep finding them through the show <laughs> and so then like do can't. i really want to like no. it's no i can't do that so um oh. yeah so um one day i need to find me one that i don't 
talk about or talk yeah. to the show about or something. You know, but maybe someone someone that you meet on the show can refer you to someone else that you haven't talked to yet. You know, I've seen they some know lists. Someone. Yeah, I've seen some lists. Um, yeah. So I just have to make sure that I don't engage with them in any show capacity. <laughs> or be like... <laughs> What the, like the most arrogant question possible? Be like, "Hi, I'm a host of a mil- of militantly mixed podcast. You haven't heard of me, have you? Great, then we can talk. Um, <laughs> you can help me now." <laughs> but I'm so glad to finally get a chance to catch up with you too. I mean, because it's so weird. Because at this point, we have like a full ass relationship. We've been we've already been on on video with social each other before. Stuff, we've been yeah. talking through social media for a while and we lived in the same city for a period of time so there was there was a few times we almost saw each other yes Ah. but you know life so for people who aren't from LA here's a couple of things if you don't live in the same zip code you're not going to see each other if you don't work in the same zip code as the person you're trying to see lives and you can go see them on your way home from work you're not going to see each other. And however much you may want to be social in advance, the day it comes up, you're like, nah. So (laughs) So that in a nutshell is probably why we haven't seen each other because we didn't live in the same zip code. Yeah, like grad school and then the pandemic happened. It's just like, you don't see nobody. Yeah, I didn't see anybody in LA. I saw saw one friend from out of town in August and I wouldn't let him come into my house. We made him stand or sit by the pool of our apartment Mm -hmm. complex. Yeah, yeah. Like it was just like only because he came into town and he's like, are you serious? We've known each other forever. And I'm like, love you, don't trust you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you've been traveling. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. I love you. I don't trust you. Um, so yeah. So let's get into it. Let's talk about right. um like I mean, honestly, we can go from anywhere. My cat's gonna oh meow the God. whole time because I closed the door and he's met me now. Um <laughs> Do you want to talk about sort of like the the you wanting to get into counseling work? Oh, with the with the mixed race slant to it. Oh Lord, you know it's like it's rough because honestly, being trained through the pandemic, I realized you know what I don't think I want to do this. (laughs) I don't want to do this. I can really imagine. Like, I don't it know. must and be maybe so difficult. Someday in the future, that will change. But at least right now, your girl's burnt out and dead inside. She ain't got nothing left to give. I don't blame you. No, and I'm impressed with my colleagues who like made it through the pandemic as a trainee. They submit all their paperwork, and right now they're accepting new clients and they're seeing people. And I'm like, mm. wow, like that's impressive. I ain't got it in me. Um, but you know, <laughs> pandemic withstanding, I can't talk about like you know my initial wanting to get into it. Right? If you want to, we can talk about we can talk about anything related to your own experience. Um it was a di- you're right, it was a different environment. You you still were even though you were tired from school, you were still a little bit more bright-eyed probably about the path <laughs> pre-pandemic. Yeah. When we talked before. Um, oh man. Yeah, but I mean I could I can talk about a little bit about why I want to get into it and kind of my project and I don't know, we can talk about a lot of different things, but um like initially why I wanted to go in this field was, you know, my own experiences with like mental health stuff and like going to therapy and also seeing like 
different people in my family go through therapy and seeing how it had a positive impact on them. Mm -hmm. And also seeing people in my family who would not go to therapy and seeing how it had a negative impact on them. Right. right? And I'm saying that with like a big disclaimer of like, not every therapist out there is great. And a lot of people have negative experiences with therapy. So like, it's not a, you know, panacea for everything. Right. But like, that was my initial experience where I was like, wow, this really helped me. And it really helped people I cared about. And like other people that I know, like, um, you know, who didn't seek out treatment, like, you know, they didn't get the help that they needed. Um, and kind of just like, and when I talk about my family, I'm pretty much going to be talking about my Filipino family because those are the people that like raised me growing up, you know, so like also like cultural stigma and stuff and just like, um, Oh, yeah, that we could really talk about (laughs) the cultural stigma. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just like finding a therapist that like looks like you or speaks your language or is like familiar with your culture that you don't have to like explain or like Mm -hmm. put qualifiers behind everything, you know? That's been Um, my entire experience. And I'm pro therapy, but I've only ever had white therapists. And every single one of them, I've spent the majority of my session explaining explaining. to them. And it's only been one that actually would like take my stuff from the previous session and do a little work on it so that by the time she saw me next time, then the beginning of the session would be her like last week we talked about blah, 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 blah. What I didn't know at the time, but I've done some research and let's talk about that. So we were kind of like going back over the previous. So it was a little bit more. It it was still a lot of work on my part, um, Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. of emotional labor and education. Um, But, you know, at least she tried. That was the only one in many, many years that had actually Mm -hmm. tried. Yeah. So it's awful, you know, but I guess like in in doing my project and even just like being in the program and like seeing other people where I'm like, hey, <laughs> you you looking out for your community or your culture it's like, that's good that's good yeah. you know like that was exciting it's like such small little like we're happy for crumbs you know but like the fact that there was like there was like 60 people in my program or whatever and maybe like maybe like five to ten of them were asian i was like mm. whoa like that's exciting you know yeah yeah like, each person that that comes out of that program with that degree you know whether they they pursue that path or not like they have you know just one extra person in the community is another resource for that can impact so many other lives of people who are absolutely yeah i've never seen someone who looks like me in this position of power or whatever you know like you know um yeah and like that was my experience when i was interviewing therapists um for my project where i was just like oh my god biracial therapists are out there yeah like working with like multiracial people like that's amazing yay yeah that was super cool so i think that was just like a really healing process for me and very normalizing that i'm like we exist yeah absolutely yeah i i I know that the more that I've met people through the show that are doing it, I'm just like, there's so much more hope now that I eventually yes. one day in my life will find somebody, if not mix, at least from one of my cultures mm. that, that would understand. You know, understand to a degree, you know, yeah. anything. And that's why the show itself can be so therapeutic because mm-hmm. sometimes I just talk to somebody that I have some crossover with and it's like, oh, wow. I get it. Yes. You get it. You know, that kind of thing. I'm not um, alone. Yeah, that's the biggest, yeah. that has been the biggest aspect of this whole thing is the I'm not alone part. But speaking of I'm not alone, 
what was it like for you growing up with your interracial parent <laughs> and your and your biracial upbringing? Like, what was your deal? Oh God! Did you know what you were? <laughs> yes. I mean, like. <laughs> You know, from a very young age, you get really used to that question of what are you? And mm-hmm. I honestly thought it was a normal question because of how often I was asked. Right. And like how early and everything. I didn't realize that other people weren't asked those questions or that was because of how I looked and that people couldn't place me. You know, right. I was just like, I here comes another one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Filipino and white, you know, whatever. And like it wasn't until like maybe like high school when I had a music teacher who was by racial you know and <laughs> the reason why he knew I was Filipino was I dropped something and I was like hey Nicole and like he said are you Filipino because <laughs> his neighbors were Filipino and he heard them say that all the time oh funny like, yeah, my mom's from Manila you know and he's like and he was asking me about like my background and so I'm like oh Filipino and white he's like and like that ticked him off that it wasn't like more specific you know because because of his background and stuff, right? Um, I think he had a white parent and, um, you know, and, and so I was like, Irish, I mean, whatever, you know, but like up until that point, nobody had really questioned me about right. that. Um, so that was That just like, goes to show you like how somebody's own deal gets in the way of how they receive your oh, deal. Oh, that's so real. I mean, like you were talking about therapists earlier, like I only ever tried to get set up with a biracial therapist once and it was terrible <laughs> oh really i thought it would be good you know, yeah it's like this person was korean and white so uh uh one of my professors who is japanese and white was like oh you know what here's like a white asian therapist who may like get you right <laughs> No, because we, you know, it's just, and I mean, that was something that was kind of in my project that one of the themes that came up, biracial people are not a monolith. People have, you know this from the show, people have all kinds of different backgrounds and different experiences and different feelings attached to that and stuff. And so like, for me, you know, I love my dad. He's, he's a great dad. I don't have any like beef with him necessarily, but like he moved out to California when he was 18 to join the Marines. And he left the rest of his family, like Iowa, Illinois, and like, I've met them maybe like five times in my life. They're practically strangers. They're nice. Oh, okay. They're great. They're relatives, not family. No. Yeah. They're, they're blood. They're people who got the same last name as me. Uh, but we aren't like, we didn't spend holidays together growing up and all that sort of stuff, you know? Um, mm. So I really don't know all that much about them. And and so, like, of course, that impacts, like, my identity, right? And that's something else that came up in the research about whether you were really exposed to both of your cultures or not. And you know what I mean? Um, But it just so happened that this therapist was a lot more connected with her white family than I was. And, you know, like, I was in this process. And I think I probably always will be in some kind of process of, like, shame and like figuring but at that time right. I was really in that um and just not feeling connected and feeling a lot of conflict and that triggered her something bad <laughs> and we did not connect and I was just like <laughs> so you know it's like it's it's great when you can find people who have multiracial backgrounds because you're like you see but then it can also have a really negative impact if you guys don't 
relate because then it's like, oh, wait, I thought you were like me and, you know, we're, we're not or whatever. Just because you have this, even though it's not true, it doesn't make any sense, right? You're not going to connect with everybody who shares your background or anything, right? But just like, I think being multiracial, being excluded from a lot of different groups, being told you're not enough this, not enough that. When you meet another, you know, unicorn in the wild, you're like, <laughs> hey, we're gonna get along. And when it doesn't, then you're like, oh. you're like, what? I, I feel this in so many different ways. Like, if they're mixed similarly to you, but they, but they were raised differently. So like, even though my parents are both half white, I don't have a white parent. So I don't really include my white I- whiteness as part of my identity yeah. because I had two biracial parents. So mm-hmm. I identify more with the, the people that I was around and the neighborhood that I was around. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So if I meet another person, they're like, but you're half white. If they're centered, if whiteness is centered in their life, I'm like, yeah, technically, ethnically, but yeah, people but around <laughs> people. I didn't know. I knew one white lady. She was a mean British right. nan. My grandmother, like she was a mean British lady. That was the white lady I knew. You know, yeah. I barely knew my grandfather, my white grandfather. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even around. Yeah. I wasn't in a white neighborhood. I was around military people. Mm-hmm. So sporadically, there would be like a random white person, but not enough to shape my culture or my identity. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I've seen that like in my polyness too. Like, oh, you're into poly too? Are you into this? Like, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> your poly is different than mine, you know? So it doesn't matter. Like, it can literally be like any aspect of your identity that if somebody. Mm-hmm. You want to believe that you can get along, but... And then sometimes you don't. It, it doesn't always happen. It's like, oh. Yeah. It's yeah. where, like, I feel like if someone even remotely looks like you, so maybe, maybe like in the case of that therapist where you're just like, yeah. really, we didn't, we we're didn't not the same. Like, it's so disappointing that we're not the <laughs> same, you know? I can yeah. only imagine. Oh, I did happen to one time have one random white therapist who just so happened to only hate Japanese people. Like of all the people on the planet she hated, for some reason she hated Japanese people. So when I admitted that I was mixed with Japanese, she, all, all of a sudden that was the source of all my problems. So it was, oh, it was one no. appointment. Mm-mm. And by the end of it, obviously all my mental health issues were related to me being Japanese because Japanese were the worst. And, and so I was like, I was so young that I didn't know I could like get up and leave. Yeah. But I just knew that I wasn't coming back. Yeah. So that was as far as I knew. So I got to the end and it was like the most detrimental experience ever. Um, I think I told my aunt and she was ready to go like cuss her out. And I was like, but technically I'm an adult. Like technically I'm 23 years old. So like I should be able to handle that myself and not have my aunt like show up and be like, that still sucks. Yeah, that one sucked. But but I, I, I haven't had too many experiences in a professional setting in which somebody is mixed similarly to me at all. And and we just didn't vibe it. It happens sometimes through obviously through the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I've had the occasional person who does center a group that I don't center. And it's just yeah. like, you know we are not the same. Um, <laughs> your show is not for me. Like that's the other part too. It's like, if, if, if I, if the show was, I'm going to say the words more pro white. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I could vibe with some of that group, but, um, 
for the mixed po- folks that center whiteness, but since I don't and I can't relate, I can only do what I can do yeah, <laughs> through the show. Yeah. And be like, well, be a mixed SO, but like, whoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you did grow up predominantly around your Filipino family and you, you at least have exposure to hearing language, if not being fluent yourself and stuff like that too. Right. So Mm. like, did you just think of yourself as Filipino with a white dad? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's interesting because you mentioned earlier, like, you know, your grandma was like the only white person. Right. And like Mm -hmm. for my family, like when I think of my family, I think of my mom's family. And I think there's my dad and my uncle, who are both white men who are both married into the family. So it's like white men marry into our family. (laughs) So that's that's their role. That's what white men do. (laughs) You know, and it's it's sad. Like, I can say this to you, like, as a mixed race person, because I know you understand, right? I I wouldn't say this around white people or it, but, you know, it's just like... You know, because of colonization and all this other stuff, it's like, all right, you know what? I'm a, I'm a find me a fine ass white man and I'm going to marry him. I'm going to drag him back home, make him impregnate me. and We're going to have some babies. You know, it's just like, it's that whole thing. They are here to provide the seed. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> uh, on my, on my Japanese uh, side, I have three white uncles. So yeah, you know, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's and I thing. love my dad and my uncle and I'm tight with them and stuff, but there's, I don't know. There's a limit to what I can talk to them about in regards to race and, and stuff like that. But then also on the other hand, like either side, whether they're white or Filipino, both of them can't really have that whole discussion about being biracial. I mean, honestly, I was so surprised and impressed that like my whole ass, my my thesis for my uh, degree, which I have right here, ended up being 72 pages, double space. I gave a copy to my parents just so they could have it, you know, because I included them in my dedication, had a picture of us there. I did not expect them to read it. <laughs> Because it's fucking long, you know, and also I'm a first gen student, like my parents didn't go to university, you know, I'm the Mm -hmm. first person in my family to get a master's. Uh, Mm -hmm. My mom has like family and my dad has family that like got their bachelor's, but neither of my parents did that. So it's just like, it's academic writing. It's so boring and stuffy and like... Honestly, I expect no one to read this shit. But, you know, my mom and my dad took time to read parts of it or something. At oh, least. that's nice. And that brought up that that whole discussion a little bit. Because it's awkward me even talking to them about it. Because they aren't really ready to have that conversation. You know, because my, to my mom, it's like this I gave you a gift you know and my dad's like I know you look like the white seed why aren't you happy about the white seed yeah it's just like okay y'all neither of you are right the same this you know but um but yeah that opened up that conversation a little bit more than it would have otherwise you know so like that was interesting. <laughs> I mean, a, a little bit sometimes can go a long way. Yeah, you know, something. The, the fact that they tried it all. I mean, I didn't ever try to read my husband's um, PhD uh, or his uh, master's thesis. I read the dedication also. Yeah, it's fucking long. I- it's philosophy and it wasn't something I probably would have fully understood anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I mean, at least at least they got a little bit through it and kind of had a conversation. It might end up being something in the future that you get to talk more about, maybe. 
Or they're like, we did it. We got it under the boat. We took care of it. It's it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the research that is out there, right? So I did my own research in like interviewing these biracial therapists and asking them the different questions I want to ask. But first I had to do a lit review based off of what research is already out there. And majority of the research that looks at biracial identity looks at people who have one black parent, one white parent. Right. Right. So yeah. my parents, like they're reading through that. Right. And they they take away a couple different things from that research, but they don't think about how that could apply to me. Yeah. And it's like, OK, we have different backgrounds, but like regardless, a lot of biracial or multiracial folks do experience, you know, being fetishized or like having microaggressions or rejection but i mean there's also the strengths of like being adaptable and being more open to other cultures and all that sort of stuff right but like yeah they're kind of reading this and being like okay so this applies to people who have one black parent one white parent this doesn't apply to my kid it's like (laughs) that's where you're wrong. like no dual identity situation going on here (laughs) yeah I've been I've been having a few more conversations about this lately about uh, mixed race studies in academia and, and how people now are having to start to do the work for the non black, white, biracial person, not because that doesn't still deserve its research, but because that was There's for so many years the only research mm-hmm. that was done. Mm-hmm. Um and, and for the longest also the only people who got to claim the term mixed. Or even biracial sometimes mm-hmm. calls up a black, white, biracial person, right? Yeah. Um, for a lot of people, including those of us who have a totally different experience. Like, I identify with my black and Japanese-ness, not my whiteness. So I'm triracial, not biracial. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were to try to identify with a black, white, biracial person, um, I would have to identify with their black side. Like, whatever yeah. they experience as a mixed black person, that's where we would be able to vibe. Because I don't have the white experience, you know, besides yeah. seeing my white grandmother and who lived in my house for a period of time and, and who did take care of me when I was younger. Um, I got nothing. You know, I, I just don't have that. So so for people who are Asian and white, I, I have also heard the same type of thing where it's like, well, you don't get to be biracial. You just get to be Asian unless you're one of the rare folks that turned out looking just white. Yeah. <laughs> Which, okay, I, I maybe misspoke by saying that because in my experience of the Asian and white mixed person, I can almost always see the Asian, so I didn't but even realize. But mixed see mixed people. We see it, right? You know, we have that, like, special ability. Like, it's a, it's the, <laughs> I call it, like, smell your own kind. Um, yeah. I don't know where that came from. It, it came from when I was a child. I've been saying it forever. Um, I, it must be a relative who said that to me or something. But, um you know, like I always would see the Asian and they're like, no, I walk around the world and people think I'm white. And that's happened on the show a million times. Yeah. And I'm like, how? But like, I, there's so many recordings of me going, but your face, <laughs> because like I'm seeing an Asian person or at least yeah. a mixed Asian person. Yeah. And, um, but the world is perceiving them as white. And I think of like, if you're pale enough and your hair isn't too dark as a mixed Asian and white person, you, you can, um, Pass. You just can't, they can't comprehend you as anything mm, but white, mm-hmm. I guess, at that point, right? That's, um, yeah. They yeah, can't my, do the math. Mm-hmm. My sister basically has my mom's face other than her eyes, but she has her nose, her like square jaw, her lips. Mm-hmm. But my sister is pale and has freckles and like 
kind of like auburn hair, like brown. Mm. Like my hair is brown, but people misperceive it to be black. Um, But yeah, most of the time people perceive her as a white person because they can't get over like the freckles and everything else. Even though if you see a picture of her next to my mom and everyone else, it's like the same same face. face. (laughs) Yeah, same. I have my dad's face. So like black people can see me. I don't have to explain it to black people, but if a non-black person, uh, if I'm telling them that my dad is black and then they're like, no, that doesn't make sense. And then I show them a picture of me next to my dad and they're like, oh, okay. But how does someone so pale have that man's face? Like it doesn't make any kind of sense to to a non-black person. Um, but literally that's like the mind fuck that like multiracial people are you know it's right just, like yeah. we're a patchwork we can come out super dark or anyway, super light we yep, can have I, I've literally seen a tweet that said only white people have freckles and I burst out laughing so hard when I read it because I know non-mixed people that aren't white that have freckles like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. maybe they have some ethnic mixing further back, back in their in the line day. or whatever yeah. but if they think white people invented I mean, doth not the sun exist all over the planet? Like, literally, you can have freckles places. Like, it just doesn't make any kind of sense um, that people think this. But in your case, I know when we when we had talked earlier, um, I think I probably just kept thinking about you as Filipino, even as, even as knowing as you as mixed, because you do look mixed, but you, you do look. My identity is different. Yeah. 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 And a lot of times our faces, I mean, maybe our face doesn't match our identity. Like I know it happens to a bunch of different people. I mean, my skin color certainly doesn't match my identity, but my, my face, because my skin color is closer to Asian, my face is telling the story of my mix that, you know, more so or whatever, because my hair is closer yeah. to Asian, my, you know, my, my coloring and stuff like that. But did you, the way I'm about to ask this question, I just, I had to pause for a second. I was about to say like, um, did you ever need to identify with the whiteness, but that's not quite how, what I mean. <laughs> or like, uh, I don't know. <sighs> like, did you need to see your dad present more in your person Mm, than mm. in your life you know it's funny because like my face is largely like my dad's like your dad's face my eyes are my mom's for sure and my eyes and my hair and like my skin tone is like a light version of my mom's but like (laughs) if i had a picture of me next to him versus like me next to my mom my facial features match up more with his, but mm. you know, people are, people do not see me as his daughter or my uncle's niece because, right. you know, they see me as like some ethnically ambiguous young woman who is mm-hmm. like, you know, a potential date or something. It's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> so disgusting. You know, like, <laughs> which like I used to never feel bad about like holding my dad's hand. Like I, I'm a very affectionate physically person. Right. And there was like one time where like me and him were out to lunch somewhere and I was holding his hand and you know they ask like just the two of you you know and like the server like totally thought we were like a weird age gap couple or something which not to not to bash age 
gap couples, right? It's just I do not want to be perceived as my dad's like date, right? No, yeah, (laughs) no, no, um, yeah. So it's like I know those features are there, and my Filipino family is like you're white, but like to everyone, oh, weird. So they see you white. Yeah, it's like. It's very interesting because I think it's also changed over my lifetime. Like mm. as a kid, I looked super Asian, and like as I grew so up, did I. And, like right, <laughs> I'm like so. a full-on Japanese baby pictures, and I'm like, who the hell is that kid? Why did I look the same, but I don't? Like, how did yes. that happen? Yeah, yeah, I totally get you. Yeah, like as a kid with the whole like bowl cut and everything, like I think a lot of people read me as Asian. And then you know, as you grow up, things change, <laughs> right? Um, so, but like also when I was younger, I didn't, I didn't know any Tagalog. I didn't know how to understand it. I didn't know how to speak mm. it because like. I was also, like, rejected by my family and by a lot of different people, right? Because, you know, like, there's this whole thing about, like, marry and fuck white. But, you know, their babies are not ours, you know? <laughs> if that makes sense, that the... Like, it's like a lost generation. Yeah, it's this whole thing about, like, you're like me, but you're not like me. And, like, so obviously that really hurt. And, like, being at parties where I was, like, the only one, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Like, I actually, like tuned it out you know because Mm. my mom also told them that they couldn't speak Tagalog to me they could speak it around me but you are not allowed to speak to my child in Tagalog because she didn't want us to have accents you know this whole like she wanted to be American American, right being being American I can relate to that too yeah so like growing up I didn't like I wasn't as like I was Filipino right and I like they all raised me and I ate all the food and stuff but like culturally like there was that whole thing but then my grandfather passed away when I was like 14 and I lived with my grandmother after that um, to kind of like help her just because she was lonely, bring her to her doctor's appointments, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I started to pick up on the language because I was living in the house. Right, right. That's where, you know, everyone speaks English, but like their primary language to converse in is Tagalog. So I started picking that up. The language, I feel like people accept me more. <laughs> you know? Right. So it's, that, it's way different. <laughs> you touched on something very special here because I don't know how to have this conversation yet. My grandmother, when she came over, she was from the war bride era. So they like the military put the yellow brides into classes, yeah. American domesticity classes to teach them how to be American wives. Right. Yeah. They had to speak English. They had to cook American dishes, all this kind of stuff. So, and they also told her like, it's bad enough that your kids are half breeds. Don't confuse them with the language. So she never taught my, my mom and her sisters Japanese. And so that even by the time I came around and she had been American citizen for 20 years, nearly at this point, um, she still didn't do it. So like I, I would only yeah. hear, hear her speak it, or there were certain words we were allowed to say as long as white people weren't around, you know, things like that. And then I get to college and I'm taking Japanese and I can't get her to help me. She's like, no, no, no. Like, I don't know why you even want to learn it anyway. Like, yes. you know, so I basically had to say like, I have to, as a requirement, learn a language. Mm-hmm. So I picked Japanese and she's like, why not French? Yeah. Because she liked European stuff, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I was around 33 and I, my Japanese is a little bit, but be- was a little bit better at the time. It's worse now, but it was a little bit better at that time. So I would speak to her more frequently in so much as I could. And she would finally talk back to me. She's like, Oh, you're so great. You said you do such a good job. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, like, <laughs> I was like, 30 years I've been trying to get the support, but I wasn't Japanese for all these years and now i'm like oh good job now you're like, part of the clan yeah <laughs> yeah it's like really do what i had to do it all by myself and her yes. big thing was like like you said like with your mother right like i gave you this gift of this american life so like yeah. why do you why are you That's trying to go back to my home mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it's more about because of so much we don't know yeah, we crave it. I think yes, um, yes. that, and I think that there is just something to like our our body is thinking about that that generation of that stuff from our our ancestors, right? Like we want mm-hmm. um, there's certain foods that we crave and we don't even realize it until we get it. And we're like, oh my gosh, oh. this is everything my tongue ever wanted, yeah. um, or like music from the places that we mm-hmm. come from too. Like I've never mm-hmm. been to Africa, I've never been to Gabon, which is where my ancestry comes from, and yet if I go to YouTube and I listen to Gabonese music all of a sudden I'm like like I'm moving the way I'm watching the videos move and I'm like it's just natural it's just happening so I think there is something Mm -hmm. to like we're kind of craving what Mm -hmm. are what the with the ancestors that traveled even if those ancestors are your parents um left behind yeah yeah but we don't get to be yeah it's almost like we have to earn the yes earn the badge right yes yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. And I wonder if this is exclusive to, I don't think it is, but across Asia, when yeah. they come here, what's the goal when they come here, right? Like, is it escaping? Is it is it refugee status? Is it assimilation, which is big for Japanese? Um, or is it just coming here for a little bit more money, but still trying to remain whatever you are so like i think across uh, asian americans things can be really different different. and Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and for me it's just like i (laughs) i hate that i'm about to say this i have more access to japanese stuff by viewing white created content yeah then feel that as an adult than i do japanese created stuff because now that I don't live in my grandmother's house, I don't have access to the tapes and all the stuff, you know, the channel mm-hmm. um, that she used to watch and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. no, I relate to that because like I I stopped doing it now, but I was part of like a online Tagalog class for a little bit. And mm-hmm. like when I turned it on, when I joined the Zoom, I was like so like other brown people learning our language like they were all filipinos trying to they were all like second gen third gen like trying Mm. to learn tagalog and that's so different because anything anything you look up on youtube or anything you see at like barnes and noble or whatever to learn the language it's going to be written by white people or made with white people in mind and it's just like that was just such a mind-blowing experience to me and then i was like pissed afterwards i wrote a poem about i was just like what the fuck you know like why am i why am i so happy that other people who who have family who speak the language where it means something very significant to them as part of their culture and they're learning it why am i so happy that like we have a space for us to learn this right it's just like it's so rare for and for, for all of you, it was in isolation, right? Because it like your own family wasn't a part of you learning yeah, your own like, language. 
I don't know. It's interesting because like my mom very specifically told my family, don't speak to her. Right. But when I let my family know, like, hey, I want to learn, they were more than willing to converse with me or help me. Mm. Um, And so that was nice, you know, so it was like they so I visit them every Sunday and I talk to them primarily in Tagalog or Taglish. Anytime my okay. grandma calls me on the phone, I'll say, oh, hello, Paul, you know, like that mm-hmm. is like normal. But I, like you mentioned earlier, like having to earn it, I had to crawl and scratch yeah. that. <laughs> I had to tell them, I want this. No, yeah. you're not speaking to me in English. Like, yeah. mm, you know, because there's all, all that colonization and stuff, just like thinking that it, English is a superior language. You won't even need it because you're in America. Everyone speaks English. And just the okay. other thing of like my face, like people will not come up to me and speak Tagalog. Whenever I go to the Filipino like grocery store and I greet people in Tagalog, they respond to me in English. Like they are going to speak Tagalog. Rude! <laughs> Because <laughs> my face doesn't match. Because they're like, yeah. oh, like, hmm. But the there's something to that, yeah. Really positive experience I had like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I went to Zumba with all the titas. It was outside. Everyone's masked, like spaced out. But um, yeah, they were talking in Tagalog at the benches, and like I overheard them like talking about my friend because they thought my friend was gay, but he has a wife. <laughs> And like, so he comes out of the car with his wife and they're like, Hindi budding, you know, he's not gay. And I'm, I like responded to them in Tagalog because I heard them, you know, and I was yeah. kind of laughing because I knew like him and stuff. I'm like, oh no, like, Asawa shot, like that's her, his wife or whatever. And like, when I responded to them in Tagalog, afterwards like one of the ladies asked me oh anong pangalan mo like what's your name you know and like that was so nice that she didn't talk to me mm. in english like she it was like oh, she took you, it nice you like you heard our cheese means you heard our gossip and you like responded like poo like that so yeah you must be with it and i'm like ha, ha. <laughs> that's awesome i'm so happy you had that <laughs> but it's very rare you know and yeah it really depends on the person but like as my language fluency increases you know there's there's more acceptance but then there's the other weird thing about like you know me being mestiza having a white parent where people also like elevate that like oh yeah. you speak Tagalog oh that's so great you know and yeah like, I don't know my my uncle was like looking up videos of like Russian people singing Tagalog songs on YouTube and it was just it's disgusting to me honestly because their accent's so bad it's just like why why are you so excited about this random white person singing a song yeah. from our language they're, they're like fucking calling it like <laughs> like yeah no you know? I, that stuff drives me crazy there's a TikToker who's a white girl who speaks Japanese with a southern accent like th- that's her gimmick it's like yeah. she'll go she'll go like oh ganky desu you know but it's just like gross like she's doing it intentionally the over yeah. overdoing of the of the um the southern, southern accent, accent. Yeah. and it's her whole deal and every time i see it i get irritated but it then when hurts. i see somebody re re like duet or, or something like that because they're like look at her and i'm like don't no no because like more, i'm frustrated like because i can tell she knows more japanese than me so there's also mm. that frustration mm-hmm. but the other part is that she's othering an other yeah in her attempt for fame yeah um, Yes. And yet I know that if the two of us went to Japan to teach English, they would want her, her. 
yeah. and not me because mm-hmm. while while I'm not necessarily accepted as a Japanese person, I'm too close to Japanese. But not enough. Yes. But not enough than she is. And so they would much rather learn English from an exotic white lady. White, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I need y'all to know that to, to Asians, white people are exotic. So calm down a bit. Um, I tell this story all the time. Like, I'm, I mess white people up with this, where I just talk about how, like, my grandmother named her daughters Dorothy, Joyce, and Nancy. And they all were like, why would you give us such, like, old white lady names? And she's like, they're so exotic. I, I just love it. They're so pretty. Because she liked American actresses. Yeah. yeah. And at her time period when she was growing up, there was that Dorothy's, was there was Nancy's, yeah. and there was Joyce's. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. White people, you're exotic to Asians. So, calm down. <laughs> Calm down, please. Thank you. Thank you, white people. <laughs> That's so stupid. Um, so how do you, so I know that when we first started talking, so if I, if I like all the way back, because yeah. I think the first conversations that we were having over social media were towards the end of 2018, because that's when Ooh, I was doing Lord, my comedy so stuff. Ago. It was, yeah, yeah. I, but I, I can pinpoint it to events. So that's why I remember yeah. you and I talking. Mm-hmm. Um you were still feeling you were at the time not very not feeling very confident about like the identity of biraciality you know yeah, uh, yeah. We, so that was the conversations we were having um but you're engaged now like i know that you're engaged i know that you've written some poetry about it i know that you're engaged in, in the mix at least militantly mixed community and stuff like that too probably other things and then of course with your studies um talking to other mixed race uh, therapists and counselors where do you feel you're at now? Oh, you know, it's interesting because I think, yeah, for me, it's like, it's been so great to, yeah, I think writing is, is great in itself because you can come up with, you you tell your own story, you come up with the labels, other people aren't putting that shit on you. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really good just for like anyone who's of a marginalized identity where they feel like they haven't been given that space to explore, you know? Um, and yeah, just being able to listen to the show, talk to you, having these different kinds of conversations, interviewing the people for my thesis, like that was just, yeah, that was just, that was medicine. That was like, yeah, ah, I'm not, I'm not weird. Um, this is normal. Like there's other people out there with similar kind of experiences. Other people want to study this and also service this community. And that's amazing. Um, so I think I'm definitely more good with that but I think also outside of that it's like I've found spaces where I have Filipino community where I don't feel rejected and that was just a big thing for me um but I guess just like having having spaces where I am accepted for being Filipino was like a really big thing for me um because I didn't feel connected with the community before and that you know obviously self-loathing and all that sort of identity shit problems um but yeah I found like I got involved in like community service stuff and like political stuff and everything where people really don't care what you look like as long as you do the work nice yeah (laughs) I remember you starting to do that like that was a big deal for you to like physically Mm -hmm. go and yeah on the ground activism mm-hmm. because yeah it's just i don't know so having having those spaces where people who are filipino like see and understand that i'm filipino and accept me and don't treat me differently for it was a big deal and also having increased language fluency really helps me feel more 
like like I can be spaces or or whatever like that if I'm in a space where I can understand the conversations happening or for doing door knocking I haven't I haven't been bold enough to like do this yet because you know I'm usually with another Filipino person who's whose language fluency is higher than mine you know oh, okay. but knowing that I probably could if I needed to have a conversation with someone in Tagalog even if I might kind of freak them out because I'm five eight and I'm like pale and all this <laughs> stuff you know like they'll be like what the fuck kind of demons I didn't realize you were so tall yeah like yeah now that yeah tall. I didn't realize how I tall am, you were like my mom is five four and that's tall for a Filipino woman you know she <laughs> yeah like, yeah that's like a huge deal and then I walk in I'm fucking Godzilla like you know, <laughs> just like every <laughs> Filipino party I go to they're like oh matanga oh my god she's so tall is she a six footer you know like she should play basketball like all that <laughs> shit i've heard it my entire life no oh. <laughs> it's so bad you know it's just That's like so funny it's funny because if you were a boy they would be just like yeah oh, like they gave like you got the height that we were looking yeah. for yeah yeah but it it's totally like it goes against that whole beauty standard of being small petite and asian and you know like i am a petite person in general but i'm just yeah. way taller just than tall. i was expecting um so anytime i wear heels or anything my family really freaks out like they're like you're already so tall why are you making you so taller why would you make a man feel worse about yeah. himself if you're so tall yeah. why yeah. would you stand out so much why do you want to draw attention to yourself like, right it's like ah, oh, you you're the one who like got with this dude who's six one so what did you expect you know like <laughs> Somehow we're supposed to be mixed with whatever they wanted it, like with the whiteness, right? I guess. Sometimes we're and supposed to be white. Features that they want in the specific That they ways. want. But also still be petite and Asian lady and don't yeah. stand out. But And also be super accommodating. But also be better than, I, than the opportunities yeah. I was going to have if I stayed back home. Like you, as a mixed Asian... I mean, I don't ever uh, want to say that any group is a monolith, but there's one element that I have I have seen and heard, no matter if I'm speaking to an East Asian, a Southeast Asian, a, a South Asian, like across yeah. the board, the constant need to excel and somehow be super Asian and not super Asian. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. so super Asian at home, but American, the world, American yeah. world. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. I am the tallest woman on the Japanese side. Um, I'm at 5'4", and yeah. I feel like my family's version of an Amazon, but yes. I have full-on short man's complex. <laughs> I do. Now I you totally feel like do. you're larger than you are, or what do you mean? I feel like I should be larger than I am. Mm -hmm. I, like, I need, I need to be 5'10". I have the spirit of a 5'10". <laughs> But I'm in the short little chibi body, and so I'm just like angry chibi all the time because <laughs> I should be taller. <laughs> I do. I'm full on short man's um, complex for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, it's I'm, funny how that is. You know, you just always want to be different than how you are. You know. Yeah. Like, 
I was always, they always make comments about me being so tall growing up. I was just like, God, I wish I was short. I I was like, short yeah. You know, I wish I was short and brown and I just blended in with my family because these yeah. are the people who raised me and I want to look like them. So people right. picking on me, you know, and like, but then people see me and they're like, why would you want da 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 da? You know, it's different, right? Because there's obviously different things that my mom deals with that I don't have to deal with because I don't look right. like she does and everything, right? So I'm not downplaying that, but just the wanting to blend in. It's that is that's like the plight of the mixed kid. Like I swear, there's times when I I I, I fantasized about this, and I would be like, if if I ever discover that there's magic in the world, or I can make a wish, like if there's any any kind of wishing thing. When I was younger, what I wanted was the ability to physically code switch. So like if I was mm. in a black space, I would be the black queen that I really yeah. think. I'd and if I was in a Japanese space, you know, like all of a sudden I would be this teeny tiny petite little Japanese person that Japanese people would accept. Yeah. Um, and I just I wanted to flip between those two things in a given space because I've never had the acceptance from mm-hmm. a full either. Japanese that I was yeah. either related to or not related to. Mm-hmm. It's always like a novelty. Um, mm-hmm. I have been accepted by a mixed black Japanese and that, you know. Hey. And then, of course, people on the show, but like in public, in a space, in an environment in which someone like gave me the nod, basically, like the equivalent to I see that you're black, I see that you're Japanese, like they gave me the whole thing at one moment. And um, I'll never forget that moment because it was the Mm. one time that I really felt like somebody like me, uh, because I'm not the typical, I don't look like the typical mixed black Japanese, Mm. like people like Naomi Osaka and Ryu mm-hmm. Hachimoto, the, you know, they have a very mm-hmm. similar look. Um, I didn't get that. I got the, yeah. the pale Japanese and then the Japanese hair, but the black face and the black body, like my mm-hmm. body is shaking. Like, yeah. so the, that thing, that need for us to be like, can I just one time be in a room full of people who are kind of like me? Yeah. Like, we don't all have to look exactly alike, but could we like, could like five of them look like me? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, could just like five people look like me that I'm not related yeah. to? Because even in my own family, you know, none of us look alike. We, we look like we're all from different places. So one time, can I be in a room where like everybody's mixed like me? Everybody yeah. has the same weird like, you're Japanese, you're not, you're black, you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I just want it just one time. Uh, but I am glad because I can, I, I'll at least tell you from, from my understanding of you and the relationship that we have had over the last couple of years is that um, I can see a very different version of you now than yeah. even from last year, than even mm-hmm. from when we first started to like, you know, uh, yeah. sli- we, we were like DM chatting on yeah. the Instagrams. Um, I can, I can definitely see a, um, like, yeah, like a more open, except self-accepting, self-accepting mm-hmm. version of, of God, you. it's such a relief. <laughs> I mean, we go through the ebbs and flows. Like, like I was yeah. just saying earlier today, I, I was having a terrible case of, of imposter syndrome. Um, and I like, I know myself, like I, I know myself, but even with that, sometimes you get these moments where you're just like, yeah. I'm not enough of fill in the blank, whatever it is yeah. today, whatever it is mm-hmm. today. Um, so I get it, but I can definitely see. And even in sort of your openness on your, your own Instagram page too. 
um, has been like a huge trajectory over the course of, of the last couple of years as well. And, and you, what you deal with in terms of your identity, but also just like, I think we both have the, the social sh- shell thing, like the being yeah. outside around people. Thing. So, um, like, ah, people. That's why I love podcasting. Cause I'm like a super social person who cannot stand to be around people. But like, this is ideal. Cause like I can, we can talk all night if we want to, but we don't yeah. have to be around each other. Um, it's uh, like, I don't know how they, how, like how was someone like me crafted at all? Cause this is infuriating to want to be social and never want to leave the house. Um, but anyways, <laughs> uh, so, uh, I do like to ask, and I, I did ask you this question a year and a half ago, but I'm curious to see if there's oh. been a, any shift for you. Um, what do you love most about being mixed? Mm. Yeah. And I remember you asking me this question before and like, I didn't have like a really good answer for you because at the time I was just like, really, you're like, do I? Issues. I was like, <laughs> fuck this. Like, what is this problem? You know, but, like, I would trade it in a heartbeat. No, <laughs> honestly, I really was in that space before where it was just mm-hmm. like, okay, I've been raised by this group of people. These are the people I feel like I click with. And at the same time, they don't accept me. So what's up with that? You know, but like mm-hmm. nowadays I actually have an answer for you, which is great. That's very exciting. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like just the, like you mentioned the openness like the ability the empathy the ability to understand code switching all that you know because it's just like which i mean you'll you'll get when you talk to people who have different marginalized identities just Mm -hmm. from being other they they understand that but when you have multiple identities in you Mm -hmm. or multiple cultures when you are used to having you know, family gatherings where there's different languages or different types of food or whatever, like, you know, Thanksgiving at my house, we got, we got turkey, we got ham and we got coconut pie. We got apple pie. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah, a yeah. whole hodgepodge of stuff. Um, but yeah, like when you meet other people like that, just the ability to just be all like, oh, okay, so that's what you are. That's, that's where you at. Cool. Like, let's move on. It's not a big deal. You know, yeah. and I mean, that multiplies by like, if you're talking to queer people, you're talking, whatever it is, you know, just mm-hmm. the openness. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just being able to meet all different kinds of people and kind of being able to meet them where they're at, you know, and I feel like that mm-hmm. that's also just like me as a counselor. That's, you know, what I was doing for my job for a while. It's just like getting to know people whatever their background is, whatever their hobbies are, whatever, whatever, who they are, the core of their person and being like, cool, like, this is like who I am. And these are the places we intersect or don't. And like, thanks for sharing your humanity with me, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad, like I said, that you, you've, you've come to this place knowing that well, (laughs) tomorrow it can all change. And we're just like, no more, you know, I I get it. I, I get it. Like literally I was going through it earlier. Um, but I'm, I am glad to see it, and um, and you look smiley and happy and stuff like that too. So I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to see that as well. But, uh, you know, but thank you so much for first for understanding my complete ridiculous oh, failure last time, um, and then you know my delay today because life got in the way of my it today happens. also. But I really really appreciate your gentle heart. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> 
Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.